0: Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911.
1: Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. I'm in an undisclosed location here in uh, the great state of Florida doing a parish mission out here. In, uh, in the city of Stewart. Welcome to Jesus 911. Hey, on Mondays, I've mentioned to the audience, my family out there, that on Mondays, I'm gonna spend the entire year of 2023. I'm gonna be talking about amazing things that the Catholic Church, Church has done every Monday. It's gonna be a very unique show because we're used to the bad news, we're used to Biden inflation, the worst economy in 40 years. We're in a war against Russia, started by uh, the Joe Brandon in the White House. Uh, we're used to seeing the worst inflation that we've seen in 40 or 50 years. Eggs cost $10 a carton. We could talk about bad news all day, and you're going to get bad news on a lot of other podcasting channels because, rightfully so, we have to point that out. But on Mondays, I'm going to take Mondays to talk about the amazing things the Catholic Church has done and the last 2,000 years. Amazing facts about Catholicism. Let me just start the show off today with today's responsorial psalm at Holy Mass, Psalm 31. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let your hearts take comfort, all you who hope in the Lord. How great is the goodness, O Lord, which you have in store for those who fear you. And Which towards those who take refuge in you, you shown the sight of the children of men, you hide them in the shelter of your presence from the plottings of men, you screen them within your abode from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, whose wondrous mercy He has shown me in a fortified city. Once I said in my anguish, I am, cu- I am cut off from your sight, yet you heard the sound of my pleading. When I cried out to you, let your hearts take comfort, all of you who hope in the Lord. Love the Lord, all you his faithful ones. The Lord keeps those who are constant, but more than requites those who act proudly. Let your hearts take comfort, all who hope in the Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So today I want to talk with you family about The way the Catholic Church has been involved in human rights and religious liberty since the very beginning of time. Something I'm going to mention every week, something that I just read recently that just, it's like a a flash of lightning went off in my mind. Because as I'm talking every Monday about the great things that the Catholic Church has done, the greatest of Catholicism we generally call Western civilization— let me give you a simple definition of Western civilization. Some of you say, "Okay, all right." It's a kind of a big word, and you guys use it a lot on Virgin Most Powerful and all the podcasters. So, uh, you know, g- give me a simple definition of, of Western civilization. Okay, I will. Western civilization—it's a synthesis of of Athens, where you get philosophy and rhetoric. Jerusalem, where you get the ancient wisdom of the prophets, and Rome, where you get law and order. Those three great cities in the ancient world, their knowledge and wisdom has been synthesized by Catholic Christianity. Catholic Christianity is the synthesis of Athens, Jerusalem, and Rome. And that synthesis has produced for us what we call Western civilization in the last 2,000 years. That's what I'll be talking about every single Monday for the entire year of 2023, the greatness of Catholicism. So today I want to talk about human rights and religious liberty, family, in relation to the Catholic Church. Let me show you a powerful story, an ancient story of the way the Catholic Church Catholic bishops intervened for the people's human rights. I want to take you back to the 4th century, to the Roman Emperor Theodosius. He was the commander of all Rome's legions, stripping himself of all imperial insignia to do penance before an unarmed cleric, St. Ambrose, Bishop of Milan. How did this happen? <laughs> it was the Catholic Church that brought a moral check to bear on the exercise and prerequisites of power in the early years of the church. So let me tell you about this story. Here's what happened. Early in his reign, during a serious illness, Emperor Theodosius had accepted Christian baptism. In 380, he proclaimed himself a Christian, and he called the council at Constantinople to put an end to the Arian heresy, which is a good thing which, contrary to the Nicene Doctrine, claimed that Jesus was created. This divided the empire for about half a century. 150 bishops gathered and revised the Nicene Creed of 325 AD into the creed that we know today. The creed that we pray at Mass. It's, it's now called the Nicene Creed. Constantinople Creed. Having won that victory, Emperor Theodosius he tried to ram through his choice for patriarch of Constantinople, but the bishops rebelled and demanded that he appoint a bishop from a short list that they gave him. It was the first of many instances in Emperor Theodosius' reign in which the church got the better of him. But the most famous example came in 387 A.D. Here's what happened. When the city of Thessalonica rioted because a favored charioteer was imprisoned for homosexuality, Emperor Theodosius ordered revenge. A chariot race was announced. Citizens gathered in the arena. The gates were locked. And soldiers were set upon the crowd. By the end of the day, guess what happened? 7,000 Roman citizens had perished. They had been killed by the soldiers. Ambrose, the bishop of Milan, who was a spiritual and political advisor to Emperor Theodosius, he was furious with him because Emperor Theodosius sent his soldiers to, to attack civilians and kill them. And so Bishop Ambrose refused to give Emperor Theodosius holy communion until the emperor performed public penance. He told that he he told that he must put aside his royal garments of an emperor, don a shroud, and publicly plead for God's mercy. When Emperor Theodosius consented, it marked a new chapter in the history of church and state. For the first time, a secular ruler submitted to the church. And less than a century earlier, think about it, emperors were trying to wipe out the church. Let's look at another area where we see religious liberty and human rights exercised. Let's fast forward to thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a religious holiday. As Catholics, we too must not forget how our religion was outlawed and persecuted in England at this time, back in the seventeenth century. On november twenty second, sixteen thirty-three, a group of three hundred colonists, a third of whom were Catholics, set sail from Yarmouth Harbor. To establish a new colony of Maryland, where religious freedom for all people would be allowed. When they arrived at St. Clement's Island on March 25th, 1634, Father Andrew White celebrated a mass of Thanksgiving, the first Mass in the English colonies. In 1634, a mix of Catholic and, and Protestant settlers arrived at St. Clement's Island in southern Maryland from England aboard the Ark and the Dove. They had come at the invitation of Catholic Lord Baltimore, who had been granted Maryland by the Protestant King Charles I of England. While Catholics and Protestants were killing each other in Europe, Lord Baltimore imagined Maryland, this colony, as a society where people of different faiths could live together peacefully. The vision was soon codified in Maryland's 1649 Toleration Act, which was the first law in our nation's history to protect an individual's right to freedom of conscience. You're listening to Jesus 911. On Mondays, I'll be talking about the amazing facts about the Catholic faith, amazing things that the Catholic Church has done historically, and the way Western civilization, again, the great minds of Athens, Jerusalem, and Rome were synthesized and have been synthesized, these great thinkers, into what we call Catholic Christianity, and this is what's made our Western civilization totally unique in the last 2,000 years western civilization comes from catholic christianity we'll continue talking about the greatness of catholicism stick around don't go anywhere we'll be right back
0: Now, Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151.
1: Jesus 911, Soul Patrol. Jess Romero, one man car. On Mondays, I'm talking about the greatness of Catholicism, amazing facts about the Catholic Church. Today, I want to talk about the way the Catholic Church historically has been on the forefront of human rights historically has been on the forefront of religious liberty. And a Catholic church alone gave us what we call Western civilization. Let me give you a definition of Western civilization. Western civilization is taking the three great cities in the ancient world, Athens, where we get philosophy and rhetoric, Jerusalem, where we get the ancient wisdom of the prophets, and Rome, where we get law and order and structure. The Catholic Church has taken those three great cities, Athens, Jerusalem, and Rome, and synthesized these great minds and these great modalities into Catholic Christianity, which has affected the world for the last 2,000 years. I want to just share tidbits of the human liberty and the religious liberty, the human rights and religious liberty that the Catholic Church has been involved in. I want to talk again about Thanksgiving. Let me repeat this story again, that in 1634, you had a mix of Catholic and Protestant settlers arrived at St. Clemens Island in southern Maryland from England aboard the Ark and the Dove, two ships. They had come at the invitation of the Catholic Lord Baltimore who had been granted the, the colony of Maryland by the Protestant King Charles I of England. Unfortunately, while Catholics and Protestants were killing each other in Europe, Lord Baltimore of Maryland imagined Maryland as a society where people of different faiths could live together peacefully. The vision of Catholic Lord Baltimore was soon codified In Maryland's 1649 edict called the Toleration Act, which was the first law in our nation's history to protect an individual's right to freedom of conscience. Did you get that? It was in Maryland in 1649, the edict called the Toleration Act was the first law In our nation's history, the 13 colonies, to protect an individual right to freedom of conscience. At the beginning of this republic, the 13 colonies, things were real easy for Catholics. Catholics encountered a fair amount of religious persecution in certain American colonies. In other words, the other 12 colonies that were inhabited by Protestants or colonized by Protestants, the Protestant Puritans who settled mainly in New England, they wanted everyone in their colonies to worship the way they did. Non-Puritans, which by definition meant Catholics, they were fined, banished, whipped, and even imprisoned. In many other colonies, Catholics were prohibited from holding public office and denied certain other rights. The notable exception was the Colony of Maryland, which was founded by Catholics as a safe harbor for everybody. The colony was named... The colony was named for the Virgin Mary and provided religious freedom for all Christians. And so Mary was was an English province in the New World, or Maryland, was an English province in the New World. Offering religious, religious tolerance to everybody, to all denominations. So it was a natural destination for persecuted English Catholics to come to Maryland. In fact, the strong tradition of religious liberty and human rights was fostered by American Catholics. This is why the Catholics built the great basilica of the Assumption of Mary in, guess where? Baltimore, Maryland which is the oldest cathedral in America. The other other 12 colonies only allowed Protestants to hold public office according to their early state constitutions. If you're a Catholic, you couldn't live outside of Maryland. If you're a Catholic, you definitely cannot hold public office in those other 12 colonies. Thanks be to God that things have changed in this country. Why? Why? Because it was the Catholic Church that has taught the West human rights and religious liberty. The struggle for religious liberty across the centuries has been long and arduous. But it's not a novel idea or or a recent development. The nature of religious liberty is grounded in the character of God himself. The God who is most fully known in the life and work of Jesus Christ, his son, his only begotten son. Why isn't, why isn't uh, religious liberty a facet of Islam? It's because of their view of God. Islam views God as a solitary being who's the master and the entire world is a slave. That's what Islam means, submission to Allah. And so it's impossible for Islam because of their view of God, it's impossible for them theologically and in their Quran to afford religious liberty to anybody. Everybody on earth is looked as a slave to Allah. And Muslims believe that they're the house of God. Non-Muslims were called the house of war. And so the house of Allah, Muslims, they believe that they're supposed to make war, constant war against the house of war, that's us, non-Muslims, until we fully submit to Islam as slaves. This is why the concept of religious liberty in Muslim countries is a foreign concept. They said, no, are you kidding me? Religious liberty, no. All of life is master-slave relationship, according to Islam. But the nature of religious liberty for us as Catholic Christians, it's grounded in the character of God himself, God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, The God who lives within his interior life is a communion of persons that lives in life-giving love one to another. The God who is most fully known in the life and work of Jesus Christ his only begotten Son. Determined to follow Jesus faithfully in life and death, the early Catholic Christians, they appealed to the manner in which the incarnation had taken place. Did God send send Christ, as some suppose, as a tyrant brandishing fear and terror? Not so, but in gentleness and meekness, for compulsion is no attribute of God. I'm going to repeat that again. Compulsion is, is no attribute of God that was written in the epistle to Diognetus chapter seven in the early church. Thus the right to religious freedom has its foundation in the example of Jesus Christ himself, and in the very dignity of the human person created in the image of God. A dignity as our founders proclaimed inherent in every human and knowable by all in the exercise of right reason. One of the hallmarks of Catholic Christianity, of Western civilization, and this is something also that it also comes from uh, Judaism. Judaism and Christianity have given us the understanding of image and likeness of God. In Latin, the fathers of the church would say, Imago Dei. We are the Imago Dei. Islam does not believe in the Imago Dei that we're made in the image and likeness of God. Remember, doctrine shapes practice. Islam does not believe God has children. God only has slaves. So, Imago Dei, this is a concept that only makes sense within Western civilization. Imago Dei is the fundamental idea of Western civilization, which comes from Catholic Christianity. Islam's view of God is that he does not vest us with his image. Islam's view of God is that we are not vested with his image and likeness. I'm talking about the greatness of the Catholic faith in terms of human rights and religious liberty. Just looking at little snippets in the last 2,000 years. Once again... It's the Catholic Church that took the wisdom of the ancients. Athens, the philosophy and the rhetoric that came from the great Greeks, the great Greek minds. The Church has taken the ancient wisdom of the prophets in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and the Catholic Church has taken the structure and law and order of Rome, imperial Rome. The Church has synthesized this tripod Athens, Jerusalem and Rome and they've given us what's called Western Civilization and we've been the benefits of Western Civilization Western Civilization is marked by patriarchy God establishes order and protection and blessing through patriarchy this is what the Marxist communist left is trying to destroy patriarchy and they want to give us anarchy This is exactly what Black Lives Matter and Antifa promote on their websites and in their actions. We'll be right back. Stick around. Talking about the greatness of the Catholic faith.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: So Patrol, Jesus 911 family, my name is Jesse Romero. Every single Monday I'm going to talk to you about how great the Catholic Church is. I'm sick and tired of just hearing... Have you heard about this bad news? Have you heard about that bad news? You know what Brandon's doing in the White House? You know what Bishop so and is doing over here? You know what Cardinal so and so is doing in the Vatican? I get that. I get that there's bad news. We're all sinners. So on Mondays, I'm going to focus on good news. I'm going to focus on things that Catholics probably never heard before. Most likely, you've never heard of any of this before. And that's okay. That's why I'm here. I'm your, uh, your holy host. Uh, or trying to be holy, at least. My wife was said, she she looked at me, she goes, I question that. I'm trying to be your holy host uh, here on Mondays, Jesse Romero on uh, Jesus 911. By the way, Jesus 911, what that means is Psalm 69, verse 2. <clears throat> Lord, Lord, help me. Lord, make, Lord, come help me. Lord, make haste to my assistance. That's what Jesus 911 actually means. It's a reference to Psalm 69, verse 2. In other words, I'm trying to get everybody on board. We all need Jesus. And by the way, it's January. I know it's the end of the month. This is the month of the holy name of Jesus. Find any reason or excuse to project the name of Jesus into the cosmos with faith, hope, and love. Find any excuse to project the name of Jesus from your heart and through from your mouth with faith, hope, and love throughout the day. Say, Jesus, come help me. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, come into my heart. Just find a reason to say his name with faith, hope, and love. And remember, saying the name of Jesus or God or Lord in vain or at the end of a joke like many people do in comedy clubs. <clears throat> that's That's a mortal sin. That's a sin against the second commandment. Well, you're, you're right. Some of these comedians probably don't know it's a mortal sin. Ignorance is not an excuse. Ignorance to use God's name in vain is not an excuse. And catch yourself. A lot of people say the word OMG. Catch yourself and modify it. Use practicing Catholics. Be an example. Say, oh my gosh, S H. Change it. Don't say, oh my G. That's not a prayer. That's not worship. That's using God's name in vain. Catch yourself and say, Oh my gosh, okay, we can do that. We can do it. I know you can. I'm talking about human rights and religious liberty in relation to the Catholic Church, which gave us the greatest civilization known to man called Western civilization. Let me move to another area of Catholicism and the way the Catholic Church has been there battling for human rights and religious liberty every single century against world powers. Let's take a look at the Declaration of Human Rights by the United Nations. It's a document that arose out of the experience of World War II. It was adopted in 1948 by the United Nations General Assembly. The Declaration arose directly from the experience of the Second World War and represents the first global expression of rights to which all human beings are respectfully entitled to. Most people don't know this. And by the way, I think the United Nations back in 1948, it was probably a noble idea. It was probably a good idea, and they probably had good intentions. But today, the United United Nations, I don't trust them. Today in 2023, it's not 1948. In 2023, the United Nations to me represents the new world order. Globalism, the Great Reset, and the preparation for the Antichrist. But the United Nations in 1948, I think, was a different animal, a different, a different organization. They gave Israel their land after 2,000 years of wandering in different countries. And they also adopted this document called the Declaration of Human Rights. And they inserted it in the UN Charter. One of the chief drafters, most people don't realize, one of its chief drafters of the Declaration of Human Rights in 1948 was Jacques Mariton. He was a Catholic convert and philosopher. Jacques Mariton was a French Catholic philosopher. He was raised as a Protestant, but he converted to Catholicism in 1906. He was a, a prolific author, of, an author of more than 60 books. He's responsible for reviving St. Thomas Aquinas for modern times and is a prominent drafter of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. What does Jacques Maritime argue? Simply, what the church has said for 2,000 years, that we are made in the image of God, imago Dei, that we are made in the image of God is a contribution from Catholicism to Western civilization. Again, Islamic countries stated in 1948, they stated in 1948, once they read the document, that the UN Declaration of Human Rights, they said, was a secular document based on Judeo-Christianity, which trespassed Islamic law. So what do you think happened? So Muslim nations of the Organization of Islamic Conference drafted an alternative document in accord with Sharia law. So all the countries in the world which are three-quarters of the world, accepted this UN Declaration of Human Rights that were made in the image and likeness of God, Imago Day, But the Muslim countries rejected this document. They said it trespassed, this document trespassed the Islamic law. And on the 30th of June, 2000, Muslim nations that are members of the organization of the Islamic Conference officially resolved to support the Cairo Declaration on Human Rights in Islam. So, so the Muslims, they uh the Muslims have come up with an alternative document that says that people have freedom and, and, and rights to a dignified life in accordance with Islamic Sharia law. <laughs> so Islam's never accepted the document that was uh, drafted by the great Catholic mind, Jacques Maritain, the document called the Declaration of Human Rights. Unbelievable. Let's move to another point in history to show you the greatness of Catholicism. When the atrocities committed by Nazi Germany became apparent after World War II, the consensus within the global world community was that the United Nations Charter did not sufficiently define the rights it referenced. A universal declaration that specified the rights of individuals was necessary to give effect to the Charter's provisions on human rights. The Allies adopted the four freedoms. Freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom from fear, and freedom from want as their basic war aims. The United Nations, the UN Charter reaffirmed faith in fundamental human rights and dignity and worth of the human person. When you really step back and look at all this, it's quite obvious that the Catholic Church stands alone in radical defense of man's free will, period. The greatest contribution by the Catholic Church to the Declaration of Human Rights is our fundamental understanding of the dignity of the human person, which 51 Muslim nations reject See, when you reject Jesus, you're going to reject truth because Jesus Christ is the truth. And when you reject truth, you're also rejecting the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church, according to 1 Timothy 3.15, is the pillar and foundation of truth. According to Globalizing Family Values, the the UN declarations pro-family phrases were the result of the Christian Democratic movement, the Christian Democratic movement's influence on Cassin and Melek, the non-Christian drafters on the commission. You're listening to Jesus 911. My name is Jesse Romero. I've been talking to you about the amazing contributions of the Catholic church, second to none. Again, they're just, there is just no no religion that has contributed to Western civilization or who has given us Western civilization like Catholic Christianity. Catholic Christianity has been the single force used by God To bring about faith and reason to work together. Rational thought, natural law, divine law to work together. That's a contribution of the Catholic Church. None other. And as Catholics, knowledge is power. This is why I'm doing these Monday shows. As you get to know the depth of the Catholic Church and what the Church has done for Western civilization, it's going to blow your socks off. Absolutely blow your socks off. The Catholic Church stands alone in radical defense of man's free will, human rights, and religious liberty. I'm going to fire you up in the fourth segment. I'm going to talk about my favorite topic, Jesus Christ. If you're listening to Jesus 911, stick around. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: Soul Patrol, Jesus 911 just finished talking to you about human rights and religious liberty as it relates to the Catholic Church in the last 2,000 years. I gave you a lot of historical facts uh, to put in your hard drive. drive. I want to talk to you a little bit, a little reflection given to us by Father Gabriel Amorth in today's Meditation of the Day in the Magnificat. Father Gabriel Amorth, who passed away in 2016, he was Rome's chief exorcist for 29 years, he says the following, he says, quote, talking about people that are possessed called energomens." he says this, at times, in order to console my clients who have been tried by long years of demonic possession, I remind them that if they have found the faith to begin a true Christian life, it is because they had to begin a hard struggle against the evil that they were suffering. As a result, the devil was already defeated at the start. It is true that God permits evil, but there's another truth that accompanies it without our knowing. God also puts a limit on evil, limiting the action of Satan against man. I'm gonna repeat that again. God also puts a limit on evil, limiting the action of Satan against man. We have an example of it in the book of Job. Satan obtains permission to vex Job, but God forbids him to touch Job. God says this to the devil in the book of Job. Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only upon himself do not not put forth your hand, close quote. God always has the last word. Even Satan has to ask him permission. Thanks be to God, there are many persons who have been liberated from the devil, Regarding this, the ritual of exorcism counsels, it says, It is advised that the faithful, once liberated, either alone or with family members, give thanks to God for the peace they have obtained. May it, stay with, may it stay with them as long as they persevere in prayer. There it is. Read the sacred scripture, receive the sacraments of penance and the Eucharist, and practice a Christian life rich in charity, good works, and fraternal love. In my experience, Father Gabriel Amor says, once a person is released at times after years of exorcism and prayers and not a few moments of discomfort, he usually does not have any permanent effects. The once-possessed person returns to his daily life, his relationships, and his work in a normal way. Indeed, he often understands that this new situation is a true and proper gift from God, asked for with insistence, and at the end obtained, after this experience, he develops a sense of gratitude towards Jesus, towards our lady, and towards the saints. And his faith is stronger than ever. Often such persons become apostles in the true sense of the word, giving testimony to what they have believed. That's uh I hear that from all my priest friends that are exorcists. They they'll say that. People that are once possessed and have been liberated become the best Catholics. (laughs) They become become super Catholics because they they know what the dark side is all about. Let me share with you Saint who on the Magnificat today, Moses, the greatest Old Testament Saint in the Hebrew Scriptures. Moses, the lawgiver, patriarch, Hero Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. The best commentary on scripture, it has been said, is other scripture. This is exceptionally clear in the story of Moses. Moses, traditionally credited with authoring the first five books of the Bible, not only chronicles God's mighty deeds, but also provides advice on how to live God's word in response to those deeds. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses prescribes what might be called an immersion approach to scripture. Handing on what he has heard from God himself, he tells the Israelites, take to heart these words which I command you today. Keep repeating them to your children. Recite them when you're at home and when you're away. When you lie down and when you get up, bind them on your arm as a sign and let them be as dependent on your forehead. Moses, as the very name of Deuteronomy, which means second law, Deuteronomy, second law. Moses indicate as the name, the very name of Deuteronomy, second law giving, indicates, is anxious for the people not to forget the word of God. Throughout all the decrees of the law, starting with the Shema prayer, the common way of referring to, Deut- to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. There's a single purpose, to keep present in the mind of God's people the deliverance they have received and the salvation that they are promised. I want to offer a prayer to God through Moses right now. Father Almighty, through the intercession of the patriarch Moses, may we never lose sight of the wonders you have wrought on our behalf. Amen. Have you ever heard Jesus pray in Aramaic? You know the most powerful prayer, the most important prayer, outside of the Holy Sacrifice or the Mass, when we're talking about single prayers, the Catechism says, St. Thomas Aquinas, all the doctors and fathers of the church tell us that the most powerful, most efficacious, most important prayer is the Our Father, what Protestants call the Lord's Prayer. Jesus did not speak the Our Father in English, nor did he speak it in Latin or in Spanish although I know them in all three languages. I know the Our Father in English. I know the Our Father in Spanish and in Latin. I'm trying to learn the Our Father in Aramaic. That's my goal for 2023. So here it is. This is what the apostles heard 2,000 years ago. Like Abun Dimashmayo, Nequadash Shmok, Tithe, Malkuthok, Newe sebionak. Aikano, Dibashmayo Oaf, Bar ohablan Lahimo, Dissignonan, Yamono, Wash Boklan, Habain, Watohain Aikano, Doaf Hifnan, Shivaken, Lahayo Bain, Lotalan Lenesiono, Ailo, Fasolan, Main Bisho, Metul Dilochi, Melkuto, Ohailo, Otesbo, hitho El Olam, Olmin, Amin. I think by the end of the year, Practicing this two or three times a day, I'll get it. I want to know the Our Father in Aramaic, the language of Jesus, to sound just like Jesus did 2,000 years ago in my daily prayers. That's my goal. Let me tell you about a black comedian, Steve Harvey. He's a black American comedian and entertainer. I mean, I don't watch his stuff. I, I don't know much about him. I just know he's a black comedian. But I did watch him on YouTube say something amazing about Jesus and Mary. So... You know, obviously, I'm sure he's a black Protestant. I don't know how, how fervent he is, but here's what he said about Jesus and Mary, which blew my socks off. Steve Harvey, black American comedian and entertainer, said the following. He said this, quote, if I had the pleasure to introduce Jesus Christ, this is how I would do it, says Steve Harvey. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and pleasure to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hails out of a manger from Bethlehem, Israel, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. (coughs) His daddy is the author of a book, That has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish and five loaves of bread. He can walk on water and turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church sanctuary around the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the Rose of Sharon. And some say he is the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet and put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the one and only Jesus Christ the King. that little montage was by Steve Harvey. He's a black American comedian and entertainer. Guess what? (laughs) Everything he said there was absolutely spot on. You've been listening to Jesus 911. My name is Jesse Romero on Mondays. I'm going to talk about the greatness of the Catholic faith. Amazing facts about Catholicism. Today, I spent three segments talking about the Catholic Church, the way the Catholic Church has been the greatest force for human rights and the greatest force for religious liberty in the last 2,000 years. In fact, once again, the Catholic Church gave us everything good in Western civilization comes from the Catholic Church. Why? Because God used the Catholic Church in a very powerful way to synthesize, to synthesize, the wisdom and philosophy of Athens, the wisdom and prophets of Jerusalem, and the law, order, and structure of Rome. And the Catholic Church put that together. And we call that, that great experiment Western civilization, which comes from 2,000 years of Catholic Christianity. The Catholic Church is a pillar and foundation of the truth. The Catholic Church is the bride of Christ. And right now, the Catholic Church is wounded. Pray for our church. We have termites in our church. You know what termites do? They eat the wood and try to tear down the structures. We have termites in the church right now. Let's pray to God for Holy Mother Church, that Holy Mother Church may once once again become that mighty bulwark that she was meant to be. Let's pray to God that Holy Mother Church may become once again that pillar and foundation of truth. And so let me end with this prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. O God, our refuge and our strength, look down with mercy upon the people who cry to Thee, and by the intercession of the glorious Immaculate Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, Saint Joseph our spouse, the blessed apostles Peter and Paul and all the saints, in thy mercy and goodness, hear our prayers for the conversion of sinners and the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother the Church through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. That's a wrap. My name is Peter Ramirez. Up next, very much hands on apologetic. I'll see you in another hour on the Terry and Jesse show. God bless you. Keep the faith.